glad you're with us today. Again, so excited to be the church in Morgantown. Are you guys excited to be the church in Morgantown? Right? Also, we have folks that are the church in Waynesburg. Where's my Waynesburgers? There we go. A little bit of woo. All right. And uh, we, we are just so excited that we get to reach this community for Christ. Um, I'm pumped that God has entrusted the good news message to you because you're going to make it happen. All right. I'm only one person. Our team is very small in that way that we can't do it all. And you guys are doing it. So we're so pumped for that. All right. So are you ready to conclude our fight series round two? Oh, that. I don't know if it was yeah or no, all right? It seems, seems like maybe you're enjoying this a little bit. But uh, yes, we are going to conclude today our series on fight. Next week with Easter, we're going to talk about live again. Live again. I'm not going to say a whole lot about that, um, but it's an opportunity that we understand that we get to live again, all right? So there's your little, little sneak peek. Um, but make sure you bring somebody like Anthony said and be nice to them when they get here. So you guys ready? Let's do this. Let's conclude our series today. Fight round two. Why is it round two? Uh, we did this series almost three years ago when we were in our old location at the end of High Street versus the top of High Street. And when we were praying about coming up here, what are some of the things we needed to talk about? And we thought about, man, we got to understand that we have to be suited up once again because our fight is changing, okay? We were hidden in obscurity, if you will. How many of you went to the old location before you came here? Okay, raise your hand if you went to the old location, all right? Uh, so you understand how it was to get there. You have to go all the way to the end of High Street versus right up here where God wanted us. And we knew that with this change that there would be a different fight, right? That we knew that, that it was gonna be different this time around and we had to, to re-suit up again. So we went back to the words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to write down about the full armor of God as he was preaching, if you will, to us today from that jail cell. You can follow along with me on your screen as I read. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Man, I just think about what Paul would feel sitting within a cell, feeling like there was no opportunity for anything in that place, but he's talking about strength. Okay, he's talking about strength, and he understood in this moment, strength in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God. Put on, like clothing, the full armor of God every morning. For me, part of my routine, I, I love it. I have the slippers set beside the bed. Anybody love slippers? So your feet get cold easily. Are you with me on this? Warm heart, it's what happens. But my feet get cold. Part of the routine is put on the slippers so you don't have to feel the cold of the wood floor in the house, right? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul here is saying so that you out there can take your stand, that you in Morgantown, West Virginia, can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Remember those wiles that he has against us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not necessarily between you and I as much as it is between us and the darkness, the spiritual darkness, and the forces of this world, right? He said, therefore, okay, all that being said, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, how, how encouraging, Paul. Not if. You said when. 
You said when the day of evil comes, okay? When it happens, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then I love that. After you've done everything you can do in your power, after you've done it all, stand firm. Right then with the belt of truth, which is the word of God, remember that? Around your waist. And the breastplate of righteousness, that right standing with the Lord protecting you. And your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Those shoes of peace so that you don't have to slip on places that you thought you may or you have before. That you are able to stand with the right shoes. You can do that. Like me mowing on the side of a hill in West Virginia, right? You gotta wear cleats. It's just a reality. That's why flat lots are worth so much money. I just invest in cleats. The shoes of peace, right? In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Remember that. So that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Remember that shield was like a door that would protect you from all the different types of arrows, but more especially those flaming arrows that would blow up on contact and obliterate you. That door that would swing out, if you will, that you could run through the enemy on the other side and he's just scattered and you keep on going. That's what he's talking about here, this shield of faith. Then take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Remember, we talked about this last week, that the enemy takes the same exact road every single time to your mind, doesn't he? Remember that? That beaten path to your life, and this helmet protects you. So what he tries to say, you're stupid. You're insecure. You know, you're nothing. You're insecure. You've always been insecure. You'll never be anything. You're not smart. You know, you're going to fail in school. You don't have enough money. You'll never be. God didn't call you to that. That person doesn't love you. Are you with me? Do you guys remember this? Same path. Same path. Same path. And when you see the path of the enemy, you see what God's trying to say in your life. Because all he does, all the enemy does is take notes from God and then say, how can I counterfeit that? And whose kid exact opposite? And that's the lie that I'll tell them. For the helmet of salvation, whose kid you are? Like Matt was saying, we're a child of God. We're children of God. That helmet of salvation, the identity that you have in Christ protects you. So when that road is traveled by the enemy, he hits that wall that cannot be penetrated in your mind of your salvation, of who you are in Jesus. Take the helmet of salvation, and when we're gonna camp today for a little bit, it's two more things. The sword of the Spirit, and then we're gonna get to the lance of prayer later. But the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation, put that here, who you are in him, that understanding, but then also the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. See, God has given us, I love this, spiritual weaponry so that when battles do come, not if, right? Paul even said that. He said, when battles do come, we will be prepared to maintain our victorious position. Rick Renner is who said that. God has given us spiritual weaponry. Isn't that great to think about? I'm a tool guy. I love tools. Anybody else love tools? There is a tool for everything. I and mean, when you do not have the right tool, the job is hard. Everybody understand what I'm talking about here? Have you ever tried to weed eat a whole yard 
Get you a lawnmower, okay? Just buy a lawnmower. It's worth it. Trust me, the right tool. And when we think about this spiritual fight that we're in, we have to fight with the, the right weaponry that we have been given by the Lord, okay? So what did this weapon look like? What did this sword look like in Paul's time when he was painting this image for us? Well, there were different types of swords that a Roman soldier would have had throughout his career and also within the history of Roman battle. One of them was called a gladius, which was a large, extremely heavy and beautiful yet ineffective sword in the fight. It was single-edged and it was big and cumbersome and and didn't really do that well in the fight. Actually, they had lost a battle uh, and one of a major battle where they said, we cannot use this weapon anymore. We were taken down by it. So they, they, they scrapped that one, and we'll hear about what they used in just a moment. There was another one that was about 17 inches long. There was another one that was like a dagger that you could conceal, you know, like a pocket knife or something. It's like, gotcha, kind of thing, okay? It's how it always, whenever I pull out my knife, it's like, gotcha, here you go. You can use it, no problem. It's so fun to listen to podcasts. I'm like, I feel so bad for people in podcast land because we have an experience together here. But podcasts are like, these people are nuts. He's crazy. (laughs) We have to get video podcasts soon because, wow, I just feel bad for people's imaginations. And then there was this real long and slender, almost like a a fencing type of, you, you picture that sword? You know, like, you know, kind of thing. They didn't get that in podcast land either. I, I was fencing. It's like, they're building fences at church. Why are they? Then there was the, this is the, the real deal, the 19-inch long with, with two razor-sharp blades. This was the sword that Paul was talking about. I kind of picture him looking outside and seeing that thing like, Whew, that thing is nasty. That could inflict some harm. My dad was a knife collector, okay? He was a knife collector. He, would, he was that guy that, okay, listen, this is hilarious but not good. He was that guy that would sit and watch QVC or the Home Shoplifting Network, as he called it, and he would buy a pack of 500 knives. Joni knew my dad. He was, he was off the chain. He would buy, like, seriously, stupid, crazy amounts of knives. And then what he would do as a salesman, he would go and sell all the ones he didn't want, make all of his money back, and then some. This was Big John, okay? This guy had been and had seen every type of knife. And when you think about the, even swords, okay, when you think about Paul looking out, he had seen a lot of things. But he said, this one right here is specific for the fight that makes a Roman soldier enabled to win, enabled to fight, enabled to win. So how does this apply to us today? It's the understanding, again, that we have an adversary that is hell-bent on destroying our lives. Remember, he does use people sometimes. He uses circumstances and things like that. But we have an adversary that does not want you to have joy, does not want you to have happiness, does not want you to have a successful uh, business or a job, does not want you to have a great marriage, does not want you, literally. Why are you so doom and gloom? It's just the reality of who he is. We're talking about the, the character of who he is. So what do we need to do as believers? We need to have the right weaponry in our hands for this fight. So that when we go up against him, we continually fight from the stance of victory. Okay? So how do we do it? 
We do it with the word of God. We do it. We understand that this belt is, this knife is connected. The sword is connected to the belt, to the word of God. And I'm going to explain some things in just a second and why this makes such good sense. How do we fight the adversary? We fight him with the word of God, okay? We fight him with the word of God. This will make sense in just a second. Number one, this is how. We look at this as the logos, which is the written word of God that we know as scripture. You've heard that before, maybe, logos. It is the, the written word that is scripture. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. This is so important to the faith. You can't take just the New Testament and say, I like that. Jesus, he's cool. I like what he did. I like him. Old Testament, man, God was crazy. People do that, don't they? They take what they like. Look, all of it, all of it, it's a conclusive work, is God-breathed, and we have to remember that. All of it works together. That's called the logos. But then we also have this thing called the rhema. It's the instant personal speaking from God to you, a quickened word, okay? It's the instant spoken word of God to you in a quickened word in just a moment. This makes sense. I'm going to illustrate this, which will be a lot of fun. John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, will remind you. This morning, and this totally happens every Sunday. I swear to you, electronics are of the devil. This is part of the fall of mankind, electronics. We think it's great, but a new kid's check-in stuff doesn't want to work sometimes. And it's working great every other time. And literally, literally, guys, this rhema word of God, which is actually the word of God that came to me in this way, that this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was frustrated when things weren't working. We just want to check the kids in and make sure they're safe. Lord, you know my heart. You know my heart. It's not selfish. It's for safety, you know. That's all I want, God, is for this thing to work right here. And I was frustrated because that's what electronics do for you. They frustrate you, okay? And that's why we, you know, just wait. It'll all blow apart in just a minute, I'm sure. I'm just, I'm just waiting. But in that moment, no, 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 no. I will rejoice and be glad. Why? We have to deliver a message here soon for others to have rejoicing in their hearts and gladness as well. But I need to do that. I needed a rhema word of God, the word of God to come up right when I needed it in my life, that I will rejoice and be glad. This is the day that God made for me to shine for him, to do what I'm supposed to do, to encourage you guys so you can leave this place like, yes, let's go fight but not hurt anybody, okay, yeah, kind of thing. The advocate, the Holy Spirit reminded me. So I think about this, and we, we illustrated it this way last time, and I think it's a lot of fun in this way, but um, can you make sure the, this handheld's on for me? I'm turning it on here. When I think of the rhema word of God, do you remember this? Oh, this is funny, wasn't it? This, was for, this is for, for Matt and Anthony, because we had conversations about lightsabers before. When I think about the word of God, the rhema, I think about the power always being with me. And whenever, 
whenever I need it. It's there, right? I have never seen all of Star Wars, but I know, I know what a lightsaber is. Check-in's not working. It's all good. Isn't that fun? I'll put my, put my saber in my pocket. Pull out my other one! Just kidding. So yeah, podcast land. Good luck with that one, podcast land. So how, how does the Spirit of God, how does the sword of the Spirit, I got all on the lightsabers, you get excited. How does the sword of the Spirit work in our lives? We got to get practical. That's what I'm, all, I'm always about. You guys know this. What, how does this practically work for me? I can read scripture and get all excited, but then how do I directly apply things like this, God? Like, how does this, this sort of spirit thing, I, I get it, there's a lot of beautiful language here, a lot of stuff going on that Paul's speaking about, but God, this sort of the spirit thing seems kind of flighty. I don't, how does this work in my life? Through a simple word. Through a simple word. What does that mean? We think about Noah in Genesis. Genesis 6, 13 through 7, 4, build an ark. Was that really complex? I know he gave him the directions beyond that. But that's a pretty simple word. Build a boat. I know you're out in the middle of dry land. Build a boat. Abraham, in Genesis 12, leave and walk by faith. It was even more stark for Abraham, like scary. Walk by faith. Oh, well, this is exciting. Joseph, Genesis 37, God's speaking to him through dreams. I mean, have you ever had that happen? I have. Speaking to you through dreams, and it's not super complex. It's just sometimes one word or one thing within it. How about that burning bush with Moses? That's crazy, but it was also pretty simple what he said. And then we think of Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 9 with his conversion, and chapter 13 with his introduction to public ministry, and then Acts 21 as he prepared for that. It was simple directives through a simple word. All it takes from God is a simple word. You know, for us, it was go. Didn't know what go looked like yet. But we're sitting in Baltimore, Maryland. He's like, go. I'm like, oh, gosh, no, Lord. Are you sure? What did we eat last night, Kara? This is not good. You know, I don't know if this is my stomach or my heart. But God said Go. And it's through the simple word that he will tell you the desires that he has for your life. It does not have to be complex. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. He will give you the word that you need for that rhema, like for that moment when you need it. So you get it. What do you do next? Simple obedience. It's about taking the next step. It's one thing to hear, isn't it? It's another to obey. Saw someone post something last week about obedience. And this is a big deal. Because you know, like delayed obedience, that's still disobedience, isn't it? But we can also say to God, but Lord, look how, God, look at my devotional life. I'm being so obedient to you. 
I'm spending so much time with you. He's like, well, but what about your giving? I've told you to do that too, but you didn't trust me in that. See, sometimes we can also have great obedience in one area, but not have it having disobedience in another. God is looking for full obedience from us based upon what he said last. And it doesn't have to be complex. And it shouldn't be complex. Jesus said, love God, love people. Is that really hard? Really too much to remember? It's hard to live through and live out. But it's simple. It's supposed to be simple. And then we just trust and obey. Acts 16.6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. Hopefully I said that right. In Galatia. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And you're like, what does that have to do with obedience? God will tell you what to do. You start walking in the right direction and the Holy Spirit will tell you when to stop. So often we're like, God, how long should I do this? What should I do next? Look, what did he say last? Do it. Keep doing it. Don't stop doing what he said for you to do. Keep being obedient. And if you have the relationship with him and the Holy Spirit is in you, which he is, he will tell you when to stop. Isn't that hard sometimes? But I just need to see the signs. I need to see the road signs, God. I need to understand. God, I just need, I need, I need. Look, the Holy Spirit will help you. And you'll know that he's helping you because you'll feel the peace about it. When you feel that peace, you know it's him speaking. When you feel the peace, you know it's him speaking. If you don't feel peace, don't listen to it. I know some things are kind of hard. You know, you don't feel peace like that. But as I was talking to somebody in our back parking lot Friday night, I said, have you ever felt God? Said, yeah, there was this, and he told me exactly how it was. I said, remember that. That's the moment that you need to have duplicated in your life every time you're seeking God's peace because that's what it tastes like. That's what it feels like. That's what it sounds like. That's what peace is to you. Keep walking. Don't stop until he tells you to because he will. All right. So what does the sword of the spirit do to our enemy? It completely defeats him. So we get what the sword of the spirit does for us, but what does he do to the enemy? And that's why we're concluding with this. It completely defeats him. That's why we're concluding with this sword of the spirit. That's why Paul put it last. Revelation 1.16, in his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. A two-mouthed sword is what we see there. One that is the Lord's and one that is yours. This understanding that God has spoke the Logos and he's got this rhema word that he wants to speak through you too. So how do we completely defeat the enemy? We understand that we use the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active. Brian, isn't it, bro? You know this. You've showed me lately that you can't make it through a day without it. You've told me you've been honest about it. There's, there's, bro, I, this, read this. Isn't this great? How often have we wanted the word of God or needed the word of God like manna? It was provision for them every day. It was food. And how often do we get to that place in our own lives, right? Do we need it like that? We do. Why? Because it's essential to our fight and it's essential to completely defeating the enemy, because one edge is that word of God, 
that came out of his, and the other edge is the word of God that proceeds from your mouth. This sword does precision work, and I think of the hands of a surgeon that is able to do precision work within the human body. I think of someone that is maybe like uh, works with, with metal, and when they're working with metal, it has to be so perfect for, for it to, micrometers is what they call that, and they mic it to make sure it is the exact depth, the exact width. It is such precision. And when you think about the word of God in your life, it has such precision for you, such precision that it's, it is so specific and so needed What does it do with that precision work? It separates the good from the bad. It separates the lies from the truth. It separates what the enemy is trying to prove to your life as truth. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What does this mean? When you are completely dead to self, you are completely alive in him, which completely defeats your enemy. There's nothing of you left when you're a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new, which means you are complete in him. And then we're able to completely defeat the already defeated enemy. A new creation. I love that. Been crucified with Christ. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from the hearing, from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. We need to hear, listen, absorb, take in. I know this for myself in my most weakest times. I can hear scripture, I can read scripture, and it changes the atmosphere of my life. And sometimes it's just that rhema moment where it comes, and it is the answer. It's what I needed. So how do we walk in continual victory with the sword of the Spirit? How do we do this practically again? Number one, we do this through meditation. Now, this is something that could be a new agey word, right? When you hear meditation. I get that. There's a lot of connotation there. But if you define and you see it on the screen before you, to think deeply or carefully about something. And when we talk about the word of God, we, we concentrate, we totally engross ourselves in it. We become engulfed by it. We are inundated, overwhelmed in all the good way. We are completely meditating on what it says. Have you ever gotten lost in a portion of scripture where you're just like, this is so good. This is just what I needed, man. This is so good. This is, man, I am full right now. I just sat down to a Bible buffet from this one scripture and I am overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Man, I feel good. Thank you, Lord. Because we stopped long enough to meditate on it. We stopped long enough trying to fix things. We stopped long enough trying to figure it out. We stopped long enough to know that we don't have any control. You know what I mean by this. To meditate on what the Lord wants to say to us through his word. We stopped long enough to to carefully consider it and to focus very strongly on it. To meditate on what God is saying for our lives. Psalm 119, David here, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes 
as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider all your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. David was someone who totally understood that. You cannot neglect it in your life. If you do, you will feel neglected. You will feel like you're not a son or daughter of Christ, of the Lord. You will feel like you're not, you're not in the fam. You'll feel like you are missing it. You'll feel like that you're not God's kid. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be in it. You gotta meditate. You gotta know. The last part is this, through confession. We think about this in Matthew 4 as we see Jesus taken out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I love this. We see as, as, as the enemy is, is trying and trying, he speaks to Jesus and he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus was fasting. He was not eating. He was out there just making sure that he was, was doing what God was telling him to do, that he knew that he knew that he knew 100% God, 100% man, you know. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus said, it is written, Man shall not live on, the, on bread alone, but only, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Logos. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, even the enemy can use scripture here. Are you listening? He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, homeboy, brah, it is also written. I see what you did there, Satan. You were proof texting. You, you, try, you try to get me. You know I'm hungry. You know I'm a little lonely right now. You know I'm in a, I'm a difficult spot. And you trying to use the word of God up in my head. Well, let me tell you something. It is also written, Jesus comes back. Can you picture this? He's like about to drop it on him. <laughs> Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, I love this. He doesn't stop. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says, this is funny, all this I will give you. If you bow down and worship me, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. I wonder if he did it like that. I don't know. But he's like, away from me, Satan. For it is written, homeboy, my dad said, God said, not you, the one who originally breathed it, said, right, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What happened? Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. What happens when you speak the word of God? The atmosphere of your life changes. Things change. Did it mess up? I thought it messed up. We were looking at the screen. I thought that that already messed up. I'm like, here we go. I told you. The atmosphere is changing. Matt, start leading it. <laughs> when we know the word of God and it's in us and we speak the word of God as truth, we see the devil flee 
and we see a heavenly host attend our needs. Jesus made it through the temptation and he made it to the cross and he came back again so that we could have life forever. So as our worship team gets ready to lead us this morning and a little montage, if you will, a couple songs, we're gonna conclude with this last part of Ephesians 6, 18. Where we hear Paul say this, this last directive in the conversation. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What was Paul saying? He said, listen, lastly, grab the lance of prayer. Lastly, grab the lance of prayer. Make sure that all the time you're praying. Now see, these lances were, this is a broom, um, handle. <laughs> Surely is. But he said, look, grab this thing. Why? Because a Roman soldier would have this lance that he could keep the enemy at, 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 at a distance from him for protection. How do we keep the enemy away from us? We build up our prayer life. And what he was talking about, keep it beside you like a walking stick. Anybody ever like to hike? I'm like that old man that always grabs a walking stick right away. Because I know root or something. Hold, listen, I trip over air. I know I'm going to trip over a rock or, or a, a stump or a root or something. I know I'm going to slip. I know something's going to happen. It always does to me, literally. The first thing I do is grab a walking stick. Why? So that I don't fall to the left. <laughs> I almost went down to the left or the right. <laughs> Put a rubber stopper on the bottom of your walking stick as soon as you get out there. <laughs> but prayer is what holds us up because it keeps us connected and communicating with God. Prayer keeps the enemy at bay. He can't get close. He may have his sword. He may have what he wants, but he can't get close to us because he's not able because our prayers and daddy hearing our prayers is keeping him at bay. He's, you ever done that with a little kid? Put your arm on their head and they're swinging away. And I'm like, bless your heart. Keep going. That's great. Didn't feel it. Didn't feel a thing. How are you feeling? I'm getting tired. Exactly. And all of a sudden, what do they do? They stop. Stop. Because they realize they can't get you. They can't get you. Your reach is longer. God's reach in your life is longer. God's arms are always longer. And those arms have already defeated the enemy. Those hands grabbed the keys to death, hell, and the grave so that you could have life forever in heaven. But you got to keep talking to the Lord. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because before you know it, you'll slip and fall and feel as though you're defeated once again. He's always listening to you. 
I love hearing stories how folks tell me I was at the deepest, darkest place and I know I was not worthy to be heard by God, but yet he listened and he picked me up. He picked me up. He picked me up. These last two songs we're gonna conclude with is one reckless love and it's gonna move into a song that we love called Do It Again, talking about God moving mountains in your life. People look from the outside sometimes at the love of God and what it has for us in our lives and like, that is just plain stupid. Because people look at us, they don't look at him. They don't look at grace. They don't look at salvation. They don't look at the work of the cross. They look at you and everything that you've done wrong. And they say there is no way that you can be forgiven. There's no way that you can be reinstituted into the body. There's no way that you are worthy But when you call out to him, what is perceived as crazy, reckless love, the love of Christ comes into the burning house, if you will, of your life and rescues you. You know what? He loves you so much that he's probably done it before and he'll do it again. It is not God's desire that any of us perish, but that we all have everlasting life. Hell was not created for you. I know that's hard to think about sometimes. It was created for the devil and demons. It wasn't created for God's kids. Heaven is your home if you want it to be. Made fullness. That's what he made for you. He made streets of gold. He made peace. He made fullness. He made joy in that place where no more struggle, no more strife. That's what he made for you. And it's yours for the taking if you believe. If you believe. And like Paul said, suit up every day as a victorious kid of God's. So do, a mo- do, me, do me a favor in this moment. Just close yourselves in. What's so super cool is during this sermon, you've probably felt God's spirit say, think about that. He just read something in scripture and I want you to think about that. Or you may have felt God's Holy Spirit say, listen, listen. That's something you gotta change and you gotta be obedient. That's a simple word that God's spoken in your life. Start being obedient in this. You may have heard him say, you know, look, you you grabbed the wrong sword. You didn't grab the word of God. You you, you grabbed a self-help book or you grabbed a relationship with a friend that you thought would fix things. Grab a hold to God in this. And you may have felt like, man, I really need to count on the Lord more and grab that walking stick, that lance of prayer. I need to speak to him more about things. I know I do. I struggle. I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. All it is is talking. Think about the one relationship in your life with someone that's so easy to talk to. Do you have that picture in your mind? you have that one person? That's what it's like with God. It's just talking. And in the conversation, he looks at you. Man, this is so good. He looks at you. He is not distracted by anything else. He looks at you. He sees the whites of your eyes. He sees the blue, the brown, the green, the hazel. He sees you. And he is so attentive to his kid. He is so excited that you wanted to talk to him. That he's like, just tell me everything, baby. Oh, honey, tell me everything. Son, just talk. Oh, yeah, that's, I was there. I know, I saw it. I was there. 
was there. I love you. It's okay. I love you. It's fine. He just wants you to talk to him. But you got to believe in him. I know that's hard, but you got to believe in him. Historically speaking, there was a man that Jesus that came to this earth. He was a good man. And he was a prophet of God. And he spoke truth that some folks did not want to hear. But he was still truth. And that man, Jesus, he died. And that man, Jesus, three days later, historically speaking, the most proven historical book, the Bible, he came back. And he came back for you. His son and his daughter to take away thing that hurts his baby. He came back. Came back. That is the crux of Christianity. And all you have to do, even if you can't muster it in this way, I know, start trying. Just believe. Just believe. So this morning, God, we say thank you for sending your only begotten son, Jesus. God, thank you for leading him to a sinner's death so that I could be saved. I know that sounds selfish, God, but I'm so grateful. The Justin Myers that had a litany of wrongs and sin within his life was able to be saved. Justin Myers was a good person. He loved people. He spent time with people, but he was still broken. You gave him grace and you saved him. God, I'm grateful. For the folks in this room today, we have an opportunity to say yes to believing in you, to starting a relationship with you, maybe for the first time or for the second, whatever. But there's an opportunity this morning. So we take that seriously and we want to respond. How do we do that, Lord? We agree together. We agree together. Folks, if it's your intention to make that decision this morning, to say that you're going to trust him, that you're going to believe, what I like to do is simply just lock eyes with you for a second. We can still do it where we're at in the facility. may not be a reality forever. But I want you just to just simply look at me and then you can close your eyes again. That way we can agree together, okay? All right? You can do it now, okay? Okay? All right? A lot of us, it's cool. Okay? To believe again, maybe for the first time, okay? Man, heaven's rejoicing right now making a decision to believe even though when it doesn't make sense you're making a decision to believe anybody else just want to give you time okay all right lord we thank you and we trust you and lord when something amazing happens in our lives we get excited about it And Lord, it leads us to a place of expressing your worth and value. We call that worship. And God, there's going to be some lyrics that are going to be sung over us, or maybe we'll sing in just a moment that will make us rejoice that much more because we know that you love us so much. But also, Lord, that you will be able beyond this day to continue to move mountains, that you will do it again and again for us because we're your kids.
We thank you for that. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.